This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. How much longer do I have to say? author of Content Performance Culture. Guys, have you not bought the book yet? Let's go. I'll stop saying it. Uh, Really appreciate everybody, especially doing Cyber Monday week. The book actually went back up to number 21 of all the PR books out there, not just the new ones. So really appreciate you for, uh, for your interest in telling better stories, doing better marketing. Today, we want to talk about healthcare marketing. As you might remember, um, I worked in healthcare marketing for about four years with uh, MedTouch and, you know, large healthcare systems. How do we tell better stories? How do we reach people? And one thing I always found interesting about healthcare, as a healthcare marketer, you cannot necessarily increase demand because your, your marketing shouldn't make anybody sick. Let's be human here, right? But you need to be top of mind for people. So today uh, I've asked a healthcare marketer, um, over at Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock, that's GerardInc.com, if you want to check him out on the web, to join me on the show. He's also an advisor at the Mayo Clinic Social Media Network and uh, accomplished social media uh, practitioner, so to speak. Pete <laughs> Smith, uh, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, really looking forward to our discussion about healthcare marketing. We actually had somebody on from Banner Health early on uh during this crazy pandemic and he was talking about how google didn't allow ads that mentioned COVID, so (laughs) it was it was hurting them getting their message out there because you know they had to they were trying to promote things and and not promote them but boost things and run ads so what have you seen when it comes to healthcare marketing in this uh crazy 2020 what uh what's the current landscape Oh gosh. Uh, well, it'll it'll change by the time people are listening to this, I'm sure. But um, it really has uh, evolved quite a bit, and I think we'll see it, you know, continue to evolve as we move past, um, you know, a lot of content, a lot of stories, and a lot of uh, encouragement of masking into the vaccine uh, kind of conversations. And so we'll see, folks. Uh, certainly, there's a there's a population or a group out there that. Uh, is against vaccines. And so, you know, that'll be a struggle for those leading content and leading social for organizations that are promoting it, certainly. Uh, but I think, you know, yeah, I mean, you mentioned a banner health early on and, and, and just the idea that, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't own and put out the appropriate content uh, because they wouldn't allow it, you know? And so again, we're having to participate as everybody does, I guess, on platforms we don't own to some degree. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of the world we're in. But of course, what's different in that case is um, that, you know, uh, they couldn't even do what they normally do to get their message out. Uh, And of course, organic. I mean, the the whole first page uh, was basically government listings. And what's interesting about that is I actually listened to an SEO podcast in uh, in Germany. I grew up in Germany. Um, I think it's called Content Performance. Uh, Of course, if you don't speak German, you can't listen to it. But what they were saying is. (laughs) They were saying, why does the government, why should they, they get the home page? Like, why? Why is it different during a pandemic than it is doing, um, yeah. 
you know, any other time of the year. Well, and it's funny because we, we've done a lot of these studies uh, at Girard, uh, looking at trust, looking at credibility, a lot of safe to return type stuff. And when we were asking questions of, of consumers around who do you trust, who do you want to hear from? Well, historically, people have already had a very high um, um, regard, if you will, for providers, doctors, nurses, that type of thing, right? And if we went through this, that only went up for those individuals. And we're starting to see the gap widen between those content experts like doctors and nurses uh, and things like uh, the government or elected officials or uh, the media, you know, et cetera. So, you know, they're the ones you want to hear from and you can't, right? And you can't hear from your local resources because like you said, everything's dominant, um, you know, relative to kind of what that national uh, wave looks like. Yeah. So, but certainly, I mean, how how have um, healthcare institutions adapted? Uh, I mean, it's you know certainly I'm seeing sure. some of them share their stories, and I'm I'm also seeing more and more. I, I guess nurses, doctors, mm -hmm. they're sharing their own stories. I mean, whether it's from TikTok yeah. to uh, to other channels, and and it's interesting because there's one doctor on TikTok, and she kind of does every trend, and every once in a while, people take her to task and say. Why would you hide from medical students? And she goes, I'm not hiding from medical students. It's just, it's this is the trend. It's just a video, relax. But somebody was asking, would you actually go to a doctor when they have fun videos on TikTok? What do you think of those new trends? Are they helping or hurting for the, for the most part? I guess it depends on who's putting the content out to some extent. I mean, I think it certainly... Um... You know, we hope it's helping. Um, I think, you know, we, we talked about this early on uh, around social media in general, right? We, we, we would hear from celebrities early on, and I'm not even talking about this particular pandemic, but just in, you know, in general. Um, and, and all the, uh, the people in the science or the, the medical community were quiet online, and we let celebrities say what we should and shouldn't do. And uh, we've seen some physicians then start taking uh, taking up over the last several years the different mediums and uh, really have a presence there. So I think that is an opportunity and certainly things that, um, you know, organizations should think about as they have subject matter experts in-house, uh, a lot of those being these providers. And it doesn't even have to be physicians, but you think about therapists, dietitians, uh, athletic trainers, <coughs> there's a whole slew of folks that have a lot of expertise that they share on, an, on a daily basis, well, they should share that online, right? And we should be educating our communities. And so when we get to something um, like we've seen over the last nine months or so, um, it's not new that we're hearing from these folks. Now, I think certainly we've seen an opportunity as people have started sharing content you know, we've long preached the idea that, uh, you know, organic content is somewhat dead. You know, you got to kind of pay to get seen and reach and, you know, especially hospitals and healthcare systems. Well, you know, we, we've, we've now seen that organic kind of uptick. And so we have a little bit of a wave that we need to be good stewards of and, uh, you know, continue to push out and create information and educate, you know, in an appropriate way. And what's interesting, too, about the whole organic thing, I think it, it kind of goes in spurts, right? It goes up and down. Mm -hmm. And depending on the topic, I mean, if there's no other nobody else who has covered a topic, you certainly have a chance to rank for it. I mean, I just had that happen the other day. You know, I created some content that nobody else had really covered in that depth. 
and it took off because it was literally like one of the few results. Sure. It doesn't happen all the time. And certainly sometimes you have to have some luck. Uh, the one thing as I was just listening to you that I was thinking about a little bit is, is there actually a play for healthcare? So I'm thinking about this internal medicine doctor. And I like her videos. I think they're fun. And then there's another one, like a foot doctor. Mm -hmm. And the chances are, first of all, I don't know if I ever need a foot doctor. But then put that aside. This is not a local foot doctor to me, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to go fly to wherever she is sure. to, to get my, you know, to have her work on my feet, whatever. I don't even know what that means, quite frankly. But, uh, but what's the value? What's the importance for some of those disciplines when we think about local SEO? Are healthcare organizations thinking about that more and more? to to create better local SEO experiences? I think so. And I think you know, certainly the opportunity for a lot of these physicians is more of a peer-to-peer -peer kind of in their space, right? <laughs> and so you think about um, like the electrophysiology or the AFib community is very active online and people will travel for that. So certainly there's a direct-to-consumer aspect to that, heart rhythm disorders and the like. But a lot of those doctors are sharing science, research, et cetera, between peers. And so that's a real opportunity, I think, for them in their space. Now, when you're looking at hospitals, healthcare systems, providers as a whole in their local communities, um, then, yeah, that's a little bit of a different angle. And quite honestly, you know, I don't know that Twitter is all that effective necessarily, depending on the type of doctor you are, what you're trying to share Facebook, Instagram may be a better avenue, depending on, you know, if you're trying to reach uh, moms, um, you know, that are um, trying to, you know, take care of their families. You know, Facebook still still may be the best place for that. Uh, it's not terribly exciting, but that still may be the best place. And then, you know, as you think about SEO, uh, you're exactly right. And, you know, we've gotten some nuances and ability to create content that's very, very specific and highly targeted that will pick up. And we see that all the time with hospitals that, you know, we wrote this blog post several years ago and it continues to be our best performing post because it was all in this really, really weird topic or ailment or symptom or whatever it may be. Um, and so we try to encourage them to think through that. Well, what are people Googling? Why are they coming to you? How would you find them? What's a typical patient look like? Let's go look at those platforms where they would participate. And you're kind of back to that persona development, you know, micro-targeting, micro-moment type, type, uh, type work. Do you need help with digital marketing for your small to medium-sized business? Reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com. You need some tips when it comes to local SEO. Uh, we do have a whole episode on that with Greg Gifford, and I'll try to link to the article. There's a, like a 20-minute read, maybe the longest article I've ever written on local SEO and, and how do you tie it all together. And also reviews. Yep. Um, reviews are more and more important for um, doctors as Absolutely. well and institutions. Uh, what's your advice when it comes to um, online reputation management? Yeah, you know, we spend a lot of time in that space uh, with our clients and with folks uh, around the country. And, and I think it's really important to do a couple of things. Certainly the online listing management initially. So finding where you are and claiming where you are uh, is really important. Um, we don't want people Googling. And uh, we've had clients that, that tell us that, you know, this phone number is wrong. It's ringing in the sleep lab. You know, you have all those types of <laughs> issues of just mm -hmm. making sure the right information is out there. 
as you think about consumerism and now, you know, digital patient experience efforts and things like that. So finding and cleaning up what's there is one thing. And then a lot of those sites, obviously, to your point, have ratings and reviews attached to them, whether that's Yelp or Google, Facebook, more specifically in the healthcare space, like health grades, vitals, WebMD, Doximity, et cetera. And, and really taking into account um, what is our review strategy as it relates to just handling what's coming in, you know, more from a defensive standpoint, right? People are writing reviews. We want to be transparent. We want to be timely is, is the recommendation. We want to be there. We want to respond. We want to get them in contact with someone who can help them. So not necessarily to have a dialogue online, because obviously because of privacy law and some different things, there's not quite honestly a whole lot we can say in most cases, but try to get them connected with somebody that can can really help them. Um, so that's the first piece. Secondly, is to start asking for reviews. You know, make it easy for folks to tell you how they did. Um, you know, we have patient experience efforts within all these organizations, especially hospitals. A lot of surveying goes out and things like that, but it's not necessarily the most timely. And quite honestly, a lot of that, like um, HCAPS measures, are more focused on the likelihood. It's a consistency metric. Well, reviews are more holistic in nature and tell you kind of what someone experienced in that particular moment. So they're both helpful. So how do you uh, how do you make it easy for folks to write reviews so you can figure out what's happening in real time? How do you take that HCAPS data that comes in down the road? How do you put that together to really evaluate what's happening within the organization? And then how are you monitoring, tracking, putting that together so you can better a process? And so I think that's all really important. And in something that's, that's really critical as we think about our uh, experience efforts within these organizations. Yeah, and, and always, I, I'm a big proponent of responding to reviews. And the other thing, what actually happens when you respond to re reviews and, and people can see it, um, it sets the precedent, yep. right? And people might think about it a little longer. So if you always respond, now, now here's the thing, if, if, if service really is horrible, it doesn't make any difference how you manage your reputation online. It's not going to help long term. So you do have to have good service. But, you know, if you always respond, somebody might think twice before they leave a negative review uh, because they know you're going to ask them about it or you're going to try to help. The other thing for healthcare providers that I would recommend is people evaluate everything as a whole. And I've been in so many meetings where healthcare providers would say, oh, they left a bad review because of the parking. Yep. And I'm like, well, is there a way we can think about parking? And they all, everybody says, well, what big city in the United States doesn't have parking problems? I'm like, well, that doesn't mean people have to like it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's so many parts to the experience. Um, and, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, negative reviews written because um, uh, of the way a door worked of uh, the way the food or temperature in the room may have felt or, you know, it's not always about the care. Right. And, and I think that's uh, what people are starting to realize. And historically speaking, these were done via surveys and they came in down the road. Well, now people can write reviews online for any reason. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think responding certainly uh, helps. I think something to keep in mind is the expectation that you are setting. Right. So if you go on and think people or like it or whatever on the positive side of the equation almost immediately and it takes you two days to respond to a negative review, well, that's a problem. Right. And so, you know, putting together a process where everybody's bought in up front, 
of how we're going to respond, how quickly we're going to respond, what are we going to do once we've responded, how do we aggregate all this information together and what we're going to do with it are all things to sort and kind of figure out up front, certainly. So when it comes to some of the new channels, and I'm just thinking about the teachers on uh, the teachers, well, teachers as well, but but the the physicians mm -hmm. on TikTok, for example, or Instagram Reels, um, and the teachers is similar, right? There's all these different individual people, and they share content, and it's kind of fun, and sometimes you learn things as well. But I don't need to follow 89 teachers, or I don't need to follow 92 physicians mm -hmm. right to see them all do the same dance um so is it like the newness factor is important or how do you how do you feel about uh, some of those uh things uh, i think that certainly does play into the equation i've always been a proponent of you know because myself included i have to try things and and toy and you know with stuff and try to kind of figure out what the usefulness of it is but, I, you know, I would say if you're a provider and you're considering some of these things, you've got to understand, you know, who your patient population is and where they participate and, you know, who you're trying to reach. And, uh, you know, TikTok may not be the best avenue or it may be the exact right place you need to be. Um, and so it's it's I think you've got to look at where people are now, but also kind of have that eye on what's coming down the pipe and what's working. I think, you know, because healthcare is done on a local level, you have an opportunity regardless of, um, you know, what may be happening on a national stage. And I think that's what people uh, kind of get tripped up on occasionally. So I think you can find some best practices out there uh, and put those into play in your local community. Tell people that come into your practice about you know what you're doing, how to connect with you and things like that. But, you know, I think it's important, though, to, to remember that, um, you know, the patient care setting is an interesting one. And there's a lot of privacy laws. There's lots of things you can and can't say and share and can't share and all that kind of fun stuff. So you got to think about it from an educational standpoint. Um, but also kind of run the traps in your mind of if I have a patient reach out via Twitter, what do I do if they direct message me? Um, and, and, you know, just as long as you kind of played those scenarios out in your mind and, and you've got the, you know, kind of uh, process in place, if you will, and how to handle those types of things. I think it's uh, I think it's great to start start participating. So how, with the pandemic, how, how have marketing campaigns changed? I mean, I, I saw a note the other day from somebody saying, uh, where, where do I go? Who's doing tele, mm -hmm, telemedicine mm -hmm. appointments? And I thought, I thought everybody does. In fact, I was in my chart the other day for my own um, primary healthcare provider. And that was like literally the only option. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's funny you because know? you've seen such an ebb and flow, just as people have seen probably in their daily lives with other things, uh, school, work, you know, otherwise. But, you know, initially we saw a big shift towards you know, messaging around the pandemic itself. You know, early on, it was a lot about visitors guidelines and, you know, and what that meant for you and your loved ones and things like that. Then we moved pretty heavily into a lot of healthcare heroes campaigns, you know, and, and really recognizing these frontline workers, what was going on and, um, you know, really what they meant to our communities. And then because we had stopped elective procedures and had these visitor policies in place and, and things like that, we were ramping back up uh, in the summertime Um uh, you know, those elective or non-emergent procedures were, were coming back online. So 
what does that mean? How do we get people back in? And so it was more acquisition based, you know, campaigns and things like that. Certainly, you know, we've seen a lot around masking and now we're moving kind of into a place of, um, you know, we saw certainly through and still do through the uh, the flu season. What's the difference between a cold and a flu? Well, this year now it's what's the difference between cold, flu and COVID, right? And so a lot of education uh, based on the time and calendar uh, that we find ourselves. And then, you know, now we're starting to move into vaccine, vaccine hesitancy, things like that as it relates to, uh, you know, trying to take care of our communities. And so I think it's going to kind of follow that that trend. Um, and then, you know, all the while talking about safe to return and trust and, you know, that it's okay to go here, do that and, you know, those types of things. When, when we run campaigns uh, like the Healthcare Heroes, what, what is the purpose typically of those campaigns? Is it more to recognize people? Is it more of an internal campaign? Or how does it, uh, how does it help an organization? Uh, sure. I mean, I think certainly there is an internal component to it. We want people to feel valued. There's obviously a lot of burnout going on right now. Um, and, you know, even in the Marcom departments, there's burnout going on. And so people are working very long hours and working hard, certainly. I think depending on the size of the community, certainly it's a lot of our regional community hospitals, these Health Care Heroes campaigns uh, were a great way to recognize folks that were uh, really investing in their community because people knew them. People know these folks in these communities. And so to be able to highlight them and reward them and recognize them, I think, was impactful and very important, certainly. And to see that, that uh, conversely, the feedback come back in from the public uh, with the thank you notes and with the comments and the shares and you know, those types of things, I think, uh, really gave the, the, the workforce uh, a jolt of uh, realizing people appreciated what they were doing. Um, certainly, as you move to some of the bigger uh, organizations, the bigger markets, things like that, obviously, less people certainly are going to know these individuals. <clears throat> but as we have found through the years, we have a pretty big internal audience on these platforms as well. And so it, it, it does have a real impact on kind of that morale and resiliency. I'm currently accepting requests for future virtual and on-site keynotes and workshops. In 2020 alone, I've spoken in Singapore and Istanbul, virtually of course, thanks COVID. I can't wait to get back on the road. And if we still can't get on the road in 2021, I would be happy to speak at your event virtually. Please reach out to me, ctrap at gmail.com or authenticstorytelling.net. When it comes to marketing channels, I know we, we mostly covered some digital things here, I guess, or, or maybe maybe, mm -hmm. maybe it's more uh, inclusive than that. Uh, and on the Banner Health podcast, we only talked about digital, right? They didn't say we want to do uh, a billboard sure. uh, letting people know, um, because, of course, that also, depending on what the setup is, digital, I guess, is relatively quickly. Um, and the joke I have, uh, I think it was um, Ava Leiptag who mentioned that is, um, she's yep. of course in healthcare as well. Uh, billboards are fifty percent ego, fifty percent sure. brand awareness. 
Um, but what 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 channels uh, should the healthcare marketers focus on? You know, I think there's there's a couple of real opportunities. Certainly, the digital front. A lot of the things that we've been talking about are external facing. I, I don't want to gloss over the idea that internal communications has has evolved quite a bit over the last nine months. I mean, I think with the remote and uh, you know workforce being from home. Um, Communicating with our staff and our employees is is taking on kind of a new lens. Uh, we can use a lot of what we're doing and a lot of the effectiveness of the digital campaigns and the things that we've done in internal communications efforts. So rethinking the intranet, internal comms tools, things like that are really, really important. And then rethinking, obviously, the way uh, marketing communications is viewed and functions within the organization, because it's a lot harder to discern where marketing starts and stops and patient experience starts and stops anymore. These used to be very siloed departments, certainly. So as we think about, you know, how we reach and how we reach the population and the public and our, and our consumers uh, or just even stakeholders broadly, including volunteers and board members and, you know, elected officials, et cetera, um, you know, it's it's important to, to, to understand kind of where they participate and certainly digital lets, it lets us move and, and, and evolve quickly. Uh, but we don't need to kind of gloss over or miss out on the opportunities in some of our uh, community based publications even uh, and things like that. I think that's certainly a real opportunity, you know, still digital, but maybe Internet radio and some of those things are, are still real opportunities because people are are glued to it right now. Go on podcasts, right. go on radio stations, and of course now, now there's ra uh, radio stations that just repurpose their their program right. as podcasts, and it, it's it's really the same thing, which is fine. I listen to some radio stations only their podcast version. The one thing I would like to mention when it comes to the internet, there is so many horrible, mm -hmm, terrible mm -hmm. internets out there, and no nope. nobody goes to them, right? So just something uh, to think about that if you have an internet, make sure people go there, right? Just because we're publishing a podcast doesn't mean anybody hears it. So how, how do we get people to come to the Yeah, to I the think internet? to your point, uh, you know, these have been fairly static, stale uh, environments for some years because we've been able to rely on face-to-face -face meetings, quarterly town hall forums, department meetings, et cetera, to carry and spread the message and even email, I guess, to some degree. And so it's been a repository for forms, for policies, for documents, that, that kind of thing. And, and, and it still is to some degree. So now we're moving to a place where it's really more about two-way communication and collaboration. And so looking at the technology, but first looking at the need and, and honestly what the opportunity is. So how do we connect with all of our workforce, regardless of where they are and regardless of what device they're on? Well, most internets probably can't do that. Um, and so we need to be able to connect with them via email. We need to be able to connect with them via digital screens. So desktops and other digital displays around the organization. Um, we need to be able to connect with them uh, mobile. So some of that's email, but maybe that's an app. Maybe that's um, uh, push notifications or SMS. Um, all those ways that we can look at and even segment and think about our employee base and what they may be interested in and then serve that relevant content up to them. Uh, is something that I think we've got a real opportunity around right now. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely uh, uh, an area. Also, consider internal mm. podcasting. I didn't really think that was a thing, uh, but I think it's Blueberry. Uh, we did a we did a podcast with them, and it's really it just goes out to out to the internal community and the CEO or whomever, 
can share content um, that they want to get out and people can just listen to it. Um, of course, make sure they can listen to it. Uh, I actually had an example in financial services where the CEO was doing it and the tellers couldn't listen. Guess why? They don't right. have headphones at their teller stations and they don't, they can't turn on the volume. Yep. So um, certainly that's something to consider. Um, today's guest, Reed Smith, uh, longtime healthcare um, executive and um, um, helps healthcare organizations around the country. Reed, where else? I know we already mentioned the website earlier. Any other place people can connect yeah, with you? Or, I, or I, I spent a fair amount of time on Twitter. Out? It's just Reed Smith on Twitter. That's two E's. Um, also uh, host a podcast with some folks and can find a little more information on that over at touchpoint.health. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us, Reed. Thanks for sharing your insights and Everyone out there, um, hopefully you learned as much as I did and stay safe, healthy and sanitized um, until next time.